0: Thanks, Toby. Let's pray. We thank you that you are a good shepherd, Jesus. We thank you that you go before us, that you are with us. We pray that we would know you more, that we would be centred around you. We pray that you would listen, we would be able to listen to your voice today. In the name of that good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for reading that, Amber. You're looking a bit different today. (laughs) It was either that or going out with the kids. Um, So, as Tony reminded us at the beginning of, of the service, those lines, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. That's what I'm going to be concentrating on today. And it's a huge concept, because out of this couple of lines, we hear that our relationship with Jesus is as close as Jesus' relationship was with his Father when he was on earth. Is, not should be. First, we need to look at what Jesus' relationship was like with his father. Just, I want to think of three separate things, or maybe four, actually, I can't count. Um, Four stories of how Jesus related to his father. And the first one was at Jesus' baptism. At Jesus' baptism, of course, John the Baptist baptized him, and there was... People saw something like a dove descending on his head and a voice saying, You are my son, whom I love, in you I am well pleased. So there's this idea of separate persons, separate father and son relationship, a father who was proud of his son. This is important for us to remember that Jesus also says to us, who are his children, you are my child whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. So that separate relationship, but that loving, affirming relationship, that relationship of knowledge of that person. And also Jesus spent time with his father. It sounds like this is going funny, am I, can, yeah? Okay, right. Um, And so Jesus, we're often told that Jesus spent time with his father, especially after the big stuff had happened, difficult things or big miracles where people wanted to make him king, notably um, the ones that could have led to a lot of earthly power for him. So after the feeding of the 5,000, when all of those people wanted to take him up and, and make him their king, almost by force, he went away by himself and sent his disciples, his closest friends even, away. He had to spend time alone with his father. And this also, also happened before he chose his disciples. And of course, at that time, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died. Jesus had to spend time with his father in order to do his ministry. He had to be in his father's presence. And we don't know exactly what he said to his father. And maybe in some ways that's helpful for us, but we don't know. Of course, we see he hears some of Jesus' prayers, don't we? So there's the big prayer at the end of John and there's the Lord's prayer. But Jesus spent a lot more time than that with his father. We also need to spend time with Jesus in order to deepen our relationship with him, in order to become the people that we are meant to be, making sure that we're centered on him, on Jesus, and not on earthly power, making sure that we're listening to Jesus. So we're going to be discussing a little bit more about that later. So Jesus was separate from his father. He was loved by his father. He spent time with his father. He was a separate person, but the same. We're not going to get into the whole trinity. I will start to get heretical if I try and make it up. Um, thirdly, he worked, Jesus worked in the authority of his father, and only in the authority of his father. Remember that wonderful story of when he healed the man who couldn't walk, who was lowered from the ceiling, because there were so many people he couldn't get in. Health and safety had not been invented at that time. Um, I I often feel really bad for the people who had to mend their roof after that. Really annoying. Uh, That's a bad party when you have to mend your roof afterwards. But this guy was, was lowered to the floor, and he obviously couldn't walk, Um, And what's the first thing Jesus did? Is he forgave his sin. And the only way you can forgive sin is if you're God. Now that would have been totally shocking and was totally shocking to a lot of people there. But the only way Jesus could do that was through the authority of the Father, through the Holy Spirit. And of course we have that authority And I mean, being a Christian, being a disciple of God is all about finding out exactly what that means. I mean, I don't feel like I have the authority of Jesus most of the time. I've never healed anybody out of not being able to walk. I've not done that. I know some people who have, and that is absolutely wonderful. But part of being a disciple of Jesus is about finding out what that authority means for us as individuals, for us as a church. So Jesus worked in the authority, under the authority of his Father. He spent time with his Father. He was beloved of his Father. And... Yeah, so he worked in the authority of the Father, but I also have to say he worked under the authority of his Father. Um, Remember, again, that time in Gethsemane, he said to his Father, not my will, but yours. There are some things that Jesus Christ asked for and he didn't get. He asked for the cup of suffering to be removed from him and it did not happen. He had to go through that but he knew that he had to be under the authority of the Father. And in order to know that, he had to know his Father. We have to sometimes accept that there are things in our lives that are not going to go the way that we want, that are not going to be even understandable for us. But if we are know that we are beloved by the Father, if we spend time with the Father and with Jesus. If we work in the authority of Jesus, we are more likely to be able to cope with those times. And I know that many of us have had to do that. Just by being human, you have to cope with difficult times, with praying for things and not getting what you want. So the relationship between us and Jesus is modelled on the relationship between Jesus and his Father. We read in verse 16 that Jesus' sheep listen to his voice. How do we know that we're listening to the voice of Jesus? Here at St. Stephen's we have a number of values. Building right relationships, being welcoming and open to all, encouraging all member ministry, being open to the work of the Holy Spirit, being generous and being compassionate. And the first one, being centred around Jesus. And that one is one that I want to concentrate on today. Um, I haven't had a stick of rock for a long time, but you know when you buy a stick of rock from the seaside and you have the, the name of wherever it is, I don't know, Blackpool, Brighton, Clacton-on-Sea, wherever, that would be a bigger stick of rock, wouldn't it? Um, but you have that name going all the way through the stick of rock all the way through eating oh, it. bad for you. Oh man. Um, anyway. That stick of rock is centred on the name of wherever it comes from. Are we centred in that way around Jesus? If you cut open Stevens, you find Jesus in the middle. And I wonder what that means. But we're told here in this passage, of course, Jesus is as close to us as he was to his father. So we need to love him. We need to spend time with him. We need to work under his authority. And we need to accept that we are under his authority. Everything that Jesus did was linked to his father. It was as natural to him as anything, even when he was a child. Remember that incident in the temple? Where, um, where his mum and dad lost him, and they came back. Oh my gosh, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine how angry they were. And what did he say to them? Well, of course I was here in my father's house. Of course. Yeah, his mum must have had words with him. And I wonder how Joseph felt. Jesus is everywhere with us. Whether we feel him or not, whether we know or not, We can notice him in the big stuff and in the small stuff of our lives. So I've, through Lent, I tried to keep something called a gratitude journal because I keep a journal and a lot of the time, I have to admit, it's quite moany. So I start off with stuff that is difficult. Um, Oh God, why is this not working? Please help me. And I decided that through Lent, I was going to start off with at least four specific things about the day before that I was thankful about. Not about being Pollyanna, not about pretending that everything's okay when it's not, about living in... (laughs) This is a phrase that I've heard a few times. The attitude of gratitude. And it's been great. It really has. It changes the way I look at things. So uh, just a few things... The last couple of weeks, the sound of the wind in the pines near the place we were staying up in Greyshot was so peaceful and beautiful, even when I'd just lost their dogs. It was lovely, Um, and I was praying very, very hard for them to come back. Please, please, please let that deer run away. But that sound and being outside in the same place and seeing the beauty of the future Walking through a crowd in Brighton with a very cute Labrador puppy. They're, they're not all about dogs. Shall I use this one? Yeah. It's going a bit funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, Will's probably going to. Are you going to blame my hair? No. <laughs> you do okay. <laughs> so we were, We went to Brighton to sign up for um for the Brighton Marathon for Will. Um, and we took we went with a friend, a couple of friends and uh, their friend. one of their friends has a very cute black Labrador puppy called Humphrey and I tell you what walking through that crowd with Humphrey was like being famous it was, it was even worse than walking through London with a dog collar on um, so, which is very odd um, it was incredible, everybody comes up to talk to you Absolutely, everybody is happy to see you, everybody's smiling, even the people at the guide dog's tent where Humphrey was doing something awful to the plush animal dog. Um, So, yeah, everybody wants to talk to you. Um, And in that same time we were signing up, there were some beach huts all along the front in Brighton. And... Some of these beach huts had their view to the sea completely cut off because of all these marquees that had been set up. But there were still people in them just sitting there sunbathing and enjoying the view as people went past. And as I was looking at these places, these people had had planted whole gardens, like vegetable gardens with carrots and other green stuff that I don't recognize because I'm not that way inclined. wonderful it just looked like a bunch of rocks to me and then i looked up and there was salad growing in the rocks um how about the man next door but two to us who lost his duck a few weeks ago seriously he lost his pet duck poor guy he was uh, it flew off and can't fly very well and is very friendly towards cats and dogs um yeah Stay with me. There's a, there's a, there's a reason for that, no, reminding me of Jesus. Um, and then, and possibly most poignant for me, being given the strength to do a funeral for a baby without losing my emotions, even though I had been crying all the way through the preparations for it. That was this week. Now, all of these things can be reflected on with Jesus at the center. We won't go through them all but I'll start with the most random. So, Humphrey the Labrador is like Jesus. Stay with me. When we were walking through that crowd, like I said, it felt like being famous. Everyone wanted to speak to him. And then I started thinking, what must it have been like for the disciples walking through a crowd with Jesus? Everybody would have wanted to speak to him, to touch him, to know him, Think about that time he was rushing through the crowd to get to that sick girl's house and he stopped to heal another lady on the way. Everyone was drawn to him. He was open to everybody. I wonder how his disciples felt. Do you think they resented it? Do you think they loved it? I know that Humphrey's owner gets fed up sometimes because she, she um, sometimes wants him to herself. And sometimes people feed him random snacks and that's not always good for a Labrador. So, yeah, maybe we can reflect on Jesus just because of the s- small things. I encourage you to try this in your life, and I know many of you do. Reflect on the ordinary things of life. If something catches your attention... Whatever it is, take note of it somehow. Maybe take a picture and reflect on it when you have a moment. Maybe with somebody else. I feel that that's sometimes really helpful. And then think, what does this moment have to teach me about Jesus? What might it remind me of in Jesus' life? I can guarantee if you start looking at life like this, you'll be surprised. We need to listen to Jesus in our lives. Because we say here at St. Stephen's that we are Jesus-centred. It's the first in our list of values. It's on our website for a reason. In fact, we even have it on our, on our glass door to make sure people don't bump into it. Being Jesus-centred is even part of our risk assessment strategy. If we weren't Jesus-centred, St. Stephen's would look like a very different place. Um, I wonder if anybody's got a copy of the Give Thanks booklet with them. There's a is a wonderful thing. I commend it to you. Actually, have a read of it when you have time. Um, Now, I wonder if anybody would go through this and maybe shout out one of these ministries to me. It can be anything. I haven't prepared. Prayer quilts. Now, yeah, okay, imagine if Jesus was not at the center of our prayer quilt ministry. What would be the point? What would be the point of those wonderful prayers about Jesus' healing? What would be the point of anything? What would it look like if our prayer quilt ministry was even more Jesus-centered, I wonder? And I'm not going to answer that question. Is there anything else in this, in this booklet that we can look at like that? Chestnut View. Chestnut View. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know that's very, very close to your heart, Erica. Can you imagine if Chestnut, our Chestnut View visits were not centred on Jesus? I mean, we go, we go to Chestnut View and we take communion. Communion is totally centred on Jesus. It would be lovely to visit people, don't get me wrong, and that's still a good thing. But if it wasn't centered on Jesus, it would be a completely different thing. And the second question what would our Chestnut View ministry look like if it was even more centered on Jesus? I wonder. I wonder. So keep you can, you can think like that about anything here. And of course, everything we do has to be centered on Jesus Christ. Or else, as Paul says, if we're not centered on Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, we are to be most pitied, more pitied than any other people in the world. Because it would be pointless. Jesus is the only reason we are here. It's in the name. We are Christians. We are centred around Christ. This is the Jesus who has already laid his, his life down for the sheep who don't even know him. He has laid down his life for everybody. And we know this Jesus. In Danny's introduction to our Give Thanks booklet, he describes faith as a journey and an adventure. Both of these things are true. This is a great booklet. Please read it and give thanks and have a look forward and ask God what might be done in the future. It is because it is a picture of what we might do in the future. There are lots of things that are going to change in the near future. There are lots of opportunities to do more ministry, to reach more people with the good news that Jesus is the centre of everything. What might our community look like if we were even more Jesus-centered here at St Stephen's, how might we share Jesus with even more people? It is a wonderful thing to give thanks, and we do give thanks for each other, and I give thanks for all of you. But we also pray for each other, and I pray for all of you in the words um, of the the um, words from Ephesians that Danny has. Quoted on page six, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Amen. Now, um, Colin is going to come up and do some business.